The most successful and rewarding transitions from high school to college are achieved when students are open to exploration and excited about that discovery process. That's the mindset that cuts through the noise and the groupthink and allows them to go all in on choosing schools based on the factors that truly matter most. When called upon, I help them along the way. I'm Brian Eldridge, founder of Courier College Prep and the host of Admissions to Mars. And that's what I hope to do here. Leverage my knowledge, insights, and over a decade of experience to put you in possession of a regularly updated map of the college admissions landscape. Welcome back to Admissions to Mars and the official launch of season three. If you are a regular listener, then you know that this podcast uh, started during the pandemic and its reason for being was to try to make sense of what was happening to college admissions uh, during the pandemic and to just highlight uh, what had become really just uh, a process that was was becoming almost unrecognizable from what we we knew at least at that elite tier of schools uh, and the pandemic was now only accelerating um, many of the more unfortunate trends and uh, the staying power of the test optional movement sort of guarantees that that's where we're going to be um, as a system. It's become clear that that's, this is where we are, astronomical numbers of um, applications to this certain tier of schools and you know, no, nothing reliable as far as admissions chances. So, yep, continuing to move towards entropy as systems are wont to do, but I'll also argue that the admissions madness in this country is also a symptom of something much more serious and at least to me, uh, it's that inescapable feeling that as a society, we are rushing headlong into uh, a moral and cultural decline. We're a decadent society obsessed with image and spectacle and so many frivolous things. And as any student of history can tell you, decadence is often the last stage before collapse. The cult of the self predominates. You heard me talk about um, just you know, offering my opinion on, well, on the Atlantic article um, that was discussing those viral um, college acceptance videos, uh, just I, to me, again, symptomatic of, of everything that's, that's wrong in a society marked by self-absorption. So it does make sense that the college admissions process also would be reduced to spectacle and maybe even more specific to a blood sport with the focus on who gets in and what they had to do to get there. And the what they had to do to get there is what I want to focus on uh, in this episode because it's been so dispiriting and frankly exhausting trying to keep up with all the just smoke and mirrors and inauthentic posturing fabrications and misrepresentations that uh, surround the application process. And again, when I say application process, um, I'm referring to elite college admissions. Um, so recently, I overheard a conversation. I was teaching a workshop, uh, an SAT workshop, and we were on break. And I wasn't too far away from a group of students. And a student was telling his friends 
he was going to have an edge uh, when applying to schools next year because he was going to portray himself as a first-gen student. So now why, why would he do this? Well, because his stepdad didn't graduate and his mom only had, um, he said, I heard him say, uh, an associate's degree in nursing. So technically to him, and I'm paraphrasing, he'll be the first to go to and attend a four-year college. Um, that's his stepdad, his mom, um, not nothing about his, his biological father. I, I wasn't privy to that, that part of the conversation. So his friend responds that he knows a bunch of students who, quote, tweak their common app to portray themselves as first gen. Why would they do that? Because that was the buzzy hook the first cycle uh, during the pandemic, first gen first-gen admits, first-gen students, colleges were falling all over themselves to highlight how they were prioritizing first-gen students and touting the record number of first-gen admits in their press releases and on their websites. So this became an edge. And as we know, every edge will be exploited. Again, referring back to the photoshopping of heads and water polo players. But while that was a nervy, um, sort of outsized attempt at a deep fake, these tweaks are more savvy. And believe me, they are shared among students making it their mission to get into these single-digit admit schools. Another one, you've heard me reference the recent study which found that 34% of white college students lied about their race to improve their chances of admission and financial aid. 34% of white Americans who applied admitted to lying about being a racial minority on their application. All right, A third of white applicants. 48% of those who lied claimed to be Native American. And three quarters of those who faked being a racial minority on their applications were accepted by the colleges to which they lied. There you go. And if there's anything more rich in tragic comedic irony, that's white college students choosing Native American as the race they claim to be. I'm guessing they wouldn't be so quick to claim that identity in the 1830s. Not so much of an edge back then. The study points out, that while other factors may have played a role, of course, right, in their acceptance, the majority of applicants who lied and were accepted believed, at 85%, the study quotes, that falsifying their racial minority status helped them secure admission to a college. Remember that great scene in the office when um, Michael says, I'm also part Native American Indian, I think it was Diversity Day episode, and Oscar says, what part Native American? And Michael Scott says, two fifteenths. Yep. According to Intelligent.com managing editor Kristen Scadden, quote, the prevalence of applicants who claim Native American ancestry is possibly due to the popular narrative that for many Americans, a small percentage of their DNA comes from a Native American tribe. For college applicants who are trying to give their application a boost by pretending to be a racial minority, they may seize on this notion that many Americans of European descent have some Native American DNA in their bloodline. However, she continues, research has shown it's not all that common, particularly among white Americans, but applicants are banking on the fact that no college is going to ask them to provide a DNA sample to verify. And there you go. That's, hey, it might be true, and 
That's how I'm going to push forward. That's how I'm going to justify what I'm doing, how I'm going to defend the prevarication. And what has Seinfeld taught us? It's not a lie if you believe it. And I want you to believe me when I tell you that this is just one tactic among many employed by students and parents in more college consulting, college planning outfits, many with Ivy somewhere in the respective names than you probably care to know about. You may say, like, wait a minute, college counselors, um, how could that be? Wasn't there that scandal a few years back, varsity something? Sure. And that made headlines because of the outrageousness of the scheming. Um, and just multifaceted. I still don't think there was the accountability if um, people would have been willing to go deeper. Uh, that's, that's another episode. Um, and the parents and the schools involved, the fact that it had a mastermind fall guy we could all point to and you know, shame, shame, shame. Um, these firms that I'm referring to are stocked with former admissions officers, Ivy grads, um, Ivy or other elite school connected staff, um, you know, and they're all touting their uh, increasing your chances by four or five percent, uh, four four times, five times the uh, the normal rate of, of kids get admitted, and you know they're all premier, they're world class, and they have the inside track to getting your kid into one of these schools, all without the requisite photoshopping um, of heads on the torsos. But if I may, and try to save you, I don't know whatever. Some of these parents pay upwards, you know, twenty-five, forty, fifty thousand uh, dollars. Let you in on some of those secrets. These firms connect students with. It's just it's just networking, mentors, former classmates, you know, that are that are in industries that the students might be uh, interested in, in order to secure, you know, internship opportunities. Um, they connect them with professors, and they they help them build their applications using these connections, weaving the all-important theme through them. Hey, here's a student who's made an impact in his or her community, and um, he or she will bring these talents and the drive uh, and, and the spirit to your school. They'll continue to do amazing things, and you know, ultimately, they're going to help change the world for the better. That's what these schools want. That's the that's the narrative, right? That the, the secret sauce. You know, look at any look at any um, dean of admissions when they're quoted after a class comes in. Um, you know, they're struck by obviously the academics, but more so commitments to classmates and communities, and on and on, just community, community driven. And so, these parents will pay uh, considerable sums to get their son or daughter to have an application that, you know, sort of lock and key is with, with what they want. It could mean highlighting longitudinal commitments that, you know, but really giving a machine could be starting a nonprofit. That was all the rage for a few cycles. Um, never mind the fact that a lot of these were zombie nonprofits. You hear <laughs> admissions officers saying they checked on them. It was just nothing, you know, just like a homepage, um, getting their name on a research paper, uh, helping them to author their own and then get it published. That's that's a big one now. Um, the zone's already been flooded with that. That'll probably be played out with, with one more cycle. Um, have them start clubs both in and out of school, and make sure they sound like they make sure they sound you know, just like they're the second coming of Habitat for Humanity or St. Luke's Mission. Um, how much time and effort do students actually put into these endeavors? I I won't speculate there. 
But remember, parents are paying a king's ransom to these firms, and colleges know they're out there and doing this, and they can read the tea leaves. In many cases, it might not be inaccurate to say that applications crafted in this way send the right signals to the right people and cut through the noise. And that's how you get to the system that we have now. Seemingly arbitrary, but the inner workings can be understood. And it ain't pretty, and it disenfranchises more and more deserving students each and every cycle because they can't pay to play, or they won't compromise their ethical or moral center, or both. When any process encourages and incentivizes shortcuts and bad behavior, you're going to get shortcuts and bad behavior. Um, look at the PPP debacle during the, during the pandemic. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? There are very few checks and balances when it comes to verifying all of the information on a college application. Sure, an admissions office uh, officer can, they can do a quick check and see if you really were a National Merit Semifinalist or a Science Olympiad participant, um, scholarship winner. But when it comes to those you know, 200 hours in a lab doing genomic sequencing or the integral role you played in organizing fundraisers for the refugee population in your city, that's tougher. Um, a lot of times that just passes right through customs with, with, uh, with no, further, uh, no further inspection. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's what you're up against. But what I want you to take from what I'm highlighting here from this overarching superstructure is what colleges are looking for because that's, that's something that you can sort of use as your lodestar as you're crafting your applications. Um, but be authentic and, you know, true to who you've been and, and who you are and uh, who you want to become self-aware, maybe a little eccentric, uh, but just make it you. And yes, in many cases here, you're swimming against the test optional current because many of these colleges uh, they understand that it benefits them to practice holistic admissions uh, strictly from a bottom line standpoint. They can curate an incoming class with even uh, fewer um, fewer guardrails um, on how they on how they do that. But yeah, let's make standardized tests optional. Sure, that's let let let's do that. That's that's helped the one area of an application, you know, objectively speaking, that can really provide a data point that can benefit an underrepresented demographic. To bring on a lottery system for this tier, we need better. Congratulations to all those out there who have already graduated, walked across the stage, and to those seniors in the home stretch. These are the days. Go get it. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend, subscribe, and until next time, be good and be good at it. <laughs>